here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Rob McCarran. Jeff Hawkins. Is it? Can it be? It is! The phenomenal one is here! AJ Styles! Oh my gosh! You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. It has been rumored for weeks that the hottest free agent in sports entertainment was heading to WWE. Styles is here! Hello, everybody. Welcome to Shake Them Ropes, episode 170. 170, Rob McCarron here from a hotel in northern Illinois, and Jeff Hawkins from his home in Los Angeles. Jeff, how are you? I've watched a lot of wrestling in the last four days. I've talked a lot of wrestling in the last two. I'm tired, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to ride or die with my ride or die, so let's do this. Yes, I want to thank everyone for being patient with us this week. Uh, you know, we're actually going to get this podcast out somewhat at the regular time, amazingly. Uh, been very difficult to try and record. I, I should probably keep my voice down. You'll notice the audio quality is not as good because uh, I brought a portable mic that I'm blowing in uh, air to so quickly. And uh, yeah, so we're doing our best here, but I want to thank everyone for giving us a shot here on STR170. Hope everyone enjoyed our show on Sunday. We did uh, about an hour, 45 minutes or so. I might have been even in all the way to an hour on NXT TakeOver, which, Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was the show of the weekend. Oh, yeah. And I just love the – as soon as we finish, it's like, hey, Jeff, you may want to turn on the pre-show. The uh, the 12-person 12, 12 tag has started. I went, oh, God, really? I forgot it was yeah. a two-hour pre-show. Oh, well, it was a four-hour show that started an hour earlier, and then the two-hour pre-show, so they had matches scattered. Um Kind of a WrestleMania feel when yeah. the first match got in there because the crowd wasn't even in their seats yet. Uh, but yeah, we were doing our show uh, mid-afternoon, the NXT TakeOver, and time flew to the point where, yeah, when we were done, the first match was get, getting in the ring, and it's like 5 o'clock Eastern. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Maybe 5.30 or so. It was amazing, that first match going in there. Uh, but as I said, I am in a hotel. I got I to gotta lower the voice. I can't scream. I can't yell. I can't be too loud. I don't want people coming to the door saying, what are you doing in there? Uh, so you uh, you may not get a obnoxious as much Rob as usual. Try to be reserved a little bit. Um, but I want to thank everyone for, for listening to the show. We'll be back to normal next week. Uh, we should be back to normal next week. Anyway, I think. Maybe. Uh, maybe not. But we'll see. Uh, Jeff, hmm? NXT TakeOver, the show of the weekend. But SummerSlam... That AJ Styles John Cena match. We we're probably not going to do a full review of SummerSlam here. Uh, now that it's midweek, we've already had Raw and SmackDown take place. We'll get into all the big topics. Uh, in, in fact, 
before we even get to AJ Styles, John Cena. In preparation for maybe not doing our regular show this week, I and we'll attach them to the end of this episode. So if you don't care about guests, if you don't care about guests on Shake Them Ropes, just stop listening to the show after we're done talking. What if we but don't I, care about Hawkins? If we don't care about Hawkins, skip ahead until we get to the guests <laughs> on the show. Uh, I interviewed Mark Maxwell, who is a creative team member and uh, not promoter. He made sure to make sure I uh, did not call him a promoter, uh, but he's a broadcast team member for freelance wrestling, freelance wrestling and independent in the Chicago area. Uh, and I'll talk about how these are WWE connected in a moment, but Mark Maxwell segment with him will be at the end of this show. Um, freelance wrestling has a big show coming up on Friday, I believe it is. Uh, so uh, pretty big deal there. And an interview with Chris J, who is a director, not a director, but a writer of the movie, the bet. And the bet was the final film role of Roddy Piper, uh, as well as cameos from Tommy dreamer, diamond Dallas page and others. And I wanted to get his thoughts on getting Roddy Piper into that movie. Uh, so some WWE related stuff, the freelance wrestling Mark Maxwell is related because Mustafa Ali Prince Mustafa Ali is one of the stars of freelance wrestling. Obviously, if you're watching WWE and the Cruiserweight Classic, you know Mustafa Ali from the Cruiserweight Classic. This is a guy I knew when I was uh, refing for IWA Mid-South in the late 2000s, and he's just getting bigger and better. He's got a full-time job in Chicago, but still making the wrestling dreams happen. Uh, so I interview Mark Maxwell, who's got a big show with Mustafa Ali. Those will be at the end of the show. Uh, but AJ Styles, John Cena, Jeff, yes. this match may have been my favorite match of the weekend. It did not surpass the tag match in my estimation. That tag but would I, be the only other option. Yeah. But, I, but I understand. And these are the only two matches one could say would have stolen the weekend, in my opinion. Um, not that others weren't good, but these were uh, exemplary, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, I really liked it. I, you know, I, I listened to one critique of it that said, well, it's just guys kicking out of finishers. Well, it didn't matter. It felt fresh. It felt fresh yeah. compared to the rest of the card. And the rest of the card to me slightly disappointed after this it felt like the air came out of this show after this but this match this aj styles is the best wrestler in the world again this year i think two years running the, the, the argument at least can be made he's at least in the discussion correct yeah no he's been he's been absolutely uh i was gonna say phenomenal phenomenal really no I, you know what pun. I you know mean, what i do that a lot and yeah. and i want to view it as a pun He's yeah. been he's been fantastic. Uh not so much with Chris Jericho. I mean, everything no. he's done outside of Chris Jericho has been really, really good. I I got worried about this match when John Cena did the the super AA off the top rope and AJ Styles still kicked out of that. That's when I was starting to get a feel like, oh, people are gonna be pissed about this one. But I, I just thought AJ Styles took everything John Cena had and kicked out of it until finishing him off with a Styles clash. And AJ Styles was the better man. No help needed. AJ Styles likely going into, uh, in fact, he is getting uh, the next title shot, right? I mean, at, yes. At, uh, backlash. Yes. So AJ Styles is going to be the leader of this SmackDown brand unequivocally. He yeah. is the leader. And if they're going to do that, the clean pin was the right call. I think yeah. this was, this is very, you know, for, for WWE logic, this was brave of them to do that. I don't think unequivocally is a word. 
I know. I, I'm. I'm. I. I it, it sounded good in my head at the time. Unequivocally is what I was going. Unequivocally, for. you're right. Yes, is what uh, I was going for there. Yeah, yeah, so was I. We'll blame all the pasta I just ate. Okay. I don't know how that would be to blame, but it is. But a, yeah, AJ Styles, John Cena. I mean, that was incredible. Um, I mean, I maybe enjoyed it more than the tag team match because of what it meant. AJ Styles, the new leader of the SmackDown brand, beating the leader of WWE, really. Mm-hmm. And John Cena. The, the tag, and, ma- the tag match for me hit more buttons that I like yeah. personally. No, I, so, you, so the bias, so the bias, so the bias would be there. So yeah, yeah, you're a big t- tag team guy. That tag team match was incredible. But as far as importance to a much larger company, I mean, this AJ Styles John Cena match, and this AJ now becomes the first guy since Kevin Owens to beat John Cena clean in a one on one. Yeah, like here, an important deal. I mean, I, I don't really count Alberto Del Rio. I mean, Alberto Del Rio did it, but. Like yeah. it didn't mean anything at the end. It was eight minutes and John Cena was out on his way out. And I know John Cena's on his way out right now for a little bit, but, but still AJ Styles had much more meaning to him than Alberto Del Rio did. Here's my question with a match like this, with so much for lack of a better term, dead weight that didn't mean anything filler, if you will, on a six hour show. Mm-hmm. Will people remember as many great matches such as this, with the number of pay-per-views also increasing, I mean, is this going to get lost in the ether in terms of this performance or is it going to be one that we go back and say, yeah, man, remember that match? I think this will be one we go back to for a long time, especially because there wasn't another match like it on the show. Right. Because you have Randy Orton and Daniel Bryan, or excuse me, uh, John Cena and Daniel Bryan on the same show as CM Punk and Brock Lesnar. And you have two matches competing with each other to be remembered as the match of that SummerSlam. This one is the match of SummerSlam and there's no other option. So I think people will remember it. It'll be the moment people still remember the Kevin Owens, John Cena match. They may not remember what show it happened at as far as elimination chamber. Uh, I mean, last week you didn't, right? Yeah. But you remember the match and you remember Kevin Owens winning. This is going to be the match. And the fact that it happened at SummerSlam, I think, helps because that's a kind of it's a big four show and it still does have a lot of importance with people. Him beating John Cena, AJ Styles beating John Cena at SummerSlam, a big show, clean, signifying him as the new top guy on SmackDown, I think will be something that's remembered for a long, long time, especially when you consider the fact that AJ Styles, a lot of people consider him one of the best of the last decade and a half. And this is his defining WWE moment right now. Take out the loss at WrestleMania. This is his defining moment so far in WWE. And he's only been here for seven months. There's still plenty more time to do big things in WWE. This is a guy who's cementing his his legacy in WWE already in seven months. And people were worried about it. I mean, think about February, right? He debuted at the Royal Rumble, big time moment. Then he's wrestling the Miz. He's not hitting his Styles clash. Like people are wondering, is AJ Styles already dead in the water in WWE? And how foolish does that look now? It doesn't because you were right to worry at the time. You can't go back and go, this was the plan all along necessarily. It, they may have fixed things, but I, I, you know, at the time, it's a correct assumption. <laughs> you know, but now, sure, they fixed themselves. They learned. They turned him heel. He was a face at the time. Yeah, I, I mean, and then he was, was a correct assumption. This was a guy who was still winning every. He was winning against dopes, like big stars do early on in their runs. I think the big worry with him not hitting the Styles Clash uh, is a hundred percent now 
foolish because this was a guy who was getting over other moves and it ended up being the right decision because now there are three or four moves that he has that people are going to look at as possible match enders where before everyone was just waiting for that styles clash. I thought you were talking about just the booking in general, everything, not, not, Every, not just the, he, he didn't have bad booking. He was beating guys like the Miz and Curtis Axel. He was winning matches leading up to his WrestleMania match against Chris Jericho. This was a guy who was winning matches. I don't, I don't get how him winning against guys was bad. Well, the, Jer- the, Jer- the Jericho program was bad the Jericho I, program wasn't that great but that's we're what about I, that's what i'm thinking of okay if you want if you will go the preliminary matches leading up to jericho sure he was doing fine but it was nothing exemplary but they kept on i mean like that ms tv segment did him no favors aj styles now the top guy on smackdown and you know john cena's not going to be here for a little bit you have backlash coming up where john cena's not advertised randy orton just got the crap beat out of him by brock lesnar on the SummerSlam show uh, outside of the John Cena AJ Styles match, and and even take away Randy Orton Brock Lesnar because I think that is going to be a match remembered just for like like I mean what <laughs> you know what's the purpose of this just to continue making Brock Lesnar look like a killer at the risk of a Randy Orton who's going to be a regular with WWE? Well, not that just was that. What it, yeah, in fact, not just that. that. Randy, Randy, Randy Orton Randy Orton came out on SmackDown and cut just a promo like he didn't even care. Like I was, <laughs> was just I was like, beat by Brock. Wow. I got killed. What, you know, what's next? Yeah. I, I was a little shocked. I mean, because he had really two quote unquote non finishes. You had a finish, but I mean, in terms of the matches ended, but what was the point though? What there wasn't what one. the point of, of Brock Lesnar and Randy Orton make Brock strong for Shane McMahon. I don't know. <laughs> That's ridiculous in itself, isn't it? I know. Yes, it is. It's very ridiculous. It's to keep him. I think it's to keep him special when when we already know he's special. Who Brock? Yeah. And setting him up for Shane McMahon. Super Shane. Coming back. Is that the is that the match that Shane will finally win? Will Shane beat Brock Lesnar? God, I hope not. No, no, no. Roman's the guy who's going to beat Brock eventually. No one's beating Brock anymore. I'm convinced that Brock Lesnar is just here to have his five minute or his eight minute main event squashes and that's it. No more title matches, no more big storylines. He's just coming in. He'll wrestle a match. He's gone. Okay. Maybe not, but still, I mean, that seems to be, I mean, this Randy Orton match, I thought Randy might've won. I thought this may have led to something bigger than a Shane McMahon match. Jesus. It's unbelievable to me. It's, okay, so it, you have it's, it, it's, it's cynical is what it yeah, is. It's very yeah. cynical in that, well, Shane's a marketable commodity over our other guys here. He's a star. Did you hear about the, the feedback from the Undertaker match? My God. Right. Yeah. Did SummerSlam live up to your expectations? No, not at all. Were your expectations too high? Because we talked about on our preview show how great this card looked. Yes, it was it, it 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 was far better on paper than it was um, on television. So yes, it failed to live up to my expectations. My expectations they weren't super high. They weren't like G one level, but they were certainly like I don't even think this was better than WrestleMania. That's a, WrestleMania was a low bar. It was a low bar. Uh, WrestleMania did WrestleMania didn't even have that one big match you can point at. So at least SummerSlam wins in that regard, right? Yes, yes, yes. AJ Styles, but, John Cena. But 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 WrestleMania overall had better quality up and down rather than how I mean in terms of average rather than this. This kind of went all over the place. 
you had your pre-show, the 12-man tag, American Alpha, their team wins. Uh, Usos going heel? Yes, but that ending was terrible because you had American Alpha whining. And I was like, Who's who's gonna be the ones turning here, guys? Well, they're on the main roster now. They can't be they can't be the American Alpha of NXT, you know. They have to right. be written. But they're doing the boo-boo faces, and you're just yeah. like, look, you won the match. Why are you upset about who takes the credit? But see, in main event logic, well, they stole your glory, therefore. It's like, okay, whatever. Okay. Sami Zayn and Neville beat the Dudley Boys. The Dudley Boys had a little bit of a send-off on Raw. It looks like the Dudleys are one in one year and done, huh? Yeah. I I mean and I kind of expected that, but I mean, I'm sure they pitched the the Bubba Ray singles run and yeah, Bubba going as they, a single. Sure, they, and they probably said we don't want old guys on TV. Yeah, yeah. See you later. <laughs> we don't want old big guys. Although I have expect I have expect them to be team number eight in the SmackDown tag title tournament. Like their their raw run is done. They're free agents, and Shane went in and signed them up. Yes. Hey, because there's still a team to be announced. So it's either probably it's either going to be the revival or the Dudleys. I think. I wanna I wanna ask you about SmackDown a bit because I didn't get to watch all SmackDown. Okay, so we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll have we'll, questions for you in that. But uh, Sheamus goes up one zero, really <laughs> one and two so far against Cesaro. Sheamus wins the first match on the pre-show. Cesaro pissed off. Did you watch the backstage video of Cesaro? Uh, basically laughing at the fact that Sheamus beat him, but their matches on the pre-show, like he was, and he was cutting this promo. This, oh but, no! But I cuts, expect it. He cuts this promo about how it's ridiculous that he's on the kickoff show. Like, and it was because of on Raw. Uh, obviously, Finn Balor. We'll get to the Finn Balor match here in a bit. But if you're listening, you likely know Finn Balor's hurt. He's off Raw for a long time. New Universal Champion going to be crowned next week on the show. Cesaro is mocking the fact that this best of seven with Sheamus is apparently for a universal title shot, yet he couldn't even get in the tournament to become universal champion. Edgy. (laughs) It's a backstage segment. So remember, it's kind of out of continuity, but you know what? It's, it brings some logic to it. I mean, let's put it this way. Do you disagree? I think he's right. Oh yeah, no, it's it's interesting because if you have these two guys pegged as the winner becomes the number one contender effectively, the winner gets a title shot. And they didn't the, even have they didn't even have the second match on Raw that night when he could have been involved right, in the tournament. Right. Was, no, that's that's part of the whole uh, backstage promo that he gives. Absolutely. That's another good point. Um but it's funny you have these two guys pegged and you're saying yes, one of these guys deserves to be a universal championship contender. Now yeah, hold you on, hold put on, either hold one on, of those on. guys in the tournament of eight. You're giving eight other people. Well, it was eight other people, right? Yeah, you're now, giving eight other people a shot ahead now, of hold these on. two guys who've already had pegged. Hold on. Did he say? Did they say universal title shot, or did they say championship opportunity? Uh, literally, I, well, Cesaro in his promo uh, says that the winner of this program will get a universal title okay. shot. Okay, because originally they said championship opportunity, and I was thinking, great, they'll, they'll go against Rusev again. Could be, <laughs> could be. I mean, why not? Cesaro needs his rematch for that too, right? Cesaro's getting screwed left and right for the last five months. And I don't, and I don't think that 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 part of the the, the promos that are going on uh, are, are matter. I don't right. think that's leading anywhere. That's the that's the most frustrating thing. It's like I want to go to SmackDown with my friend Daniel Bryan. All right, great. 
<laughs> we'll get into the uh, the main part of this card. I want to let everyone know, though. Obviously, if you've been listening to uh, to Shake Them Ropes over the last couple of months, you know about our great friends Mac Weldon, MacWeldon.com. They are providing us a new promo code. So if you're unfamiliar with Mac Weldon, check out MacWeldon.com. They have really great fitting clothing. And I say this, great fitting underwear. And if you're a guy out there, you know how important underwear can be. Unless, of course, you've never tried the good stuff. If you haven't tried a pair like Mac Weldon, even if you haven't tried, you know, any other type of underwear, maybe you get the $3 packs of tidy whities or something, or the, the $4 packs of boxers that you just think, Oh, it, what it, they're boxers. What does it matter? I'm here to tell you that MacWeldon.com, the underwear that you get will literally change your life. I'm not, I'm not hyperbolic in saying that Jeff, you may have tried different stuff that you've liked better that you understand that if it's great fitting, if it keeps you cool, that will be a game changer when you're every day, you're not getting, you're not getting wedgies. You're not getting your underwear bunching up. It, it, it can be game changing, Jeff. I'm a big fan of paying for comfort. I am. I'll, I'll yes. you know, I don't want to stand in lines. I want to fly first class. <laughs> you know, I want underwear that breathes. Yes. I'm a fan of paying for comfort. Yeah. I, I've, Known that I would say the last uh, a year and a half ago, really. Yeah, I'm late to the game. So what? What are you going to do about it? You're going to fight me? Come on. I'm late to the game. I was one of those guys who just got the the $3 packs at like Target or wherever. And I would get the basic underwear and I put it on whatever. And, you know, they would they would tear. They would they would fray. They would get the elastic would go away. So now they're dropping off of me. It It's ridiculous. And then I started getting, you know, better fitting underwear. And now recently I've tried the Mac Weldon's and I will tell you not having to worry about your underwear breaking, tearing, fraying, falling down, not fitting right, not keeping you cool. It is a pretty big deal. Mac Weldon, they believe in smart design, premium fabrics and simple shopping. And that might even be the best part. You go to MacWeldon.com, you use your promo code voices. That is V O I C E S. The promo code is voices. You save 20%, but you're going to go with a clean shopping experience. It is a very easy website to manage. You're not going to be going through category after category to try and find something that you like. You can try it. You go shop right on MacWeldon.com. Use your promo code voices. Very easy to find what you're looking for. And if you don't even know what you're looking for, try them out. If you get a pair of underwear from MacWeldon or a pair of socks, a hoodie, a a t-shirt, whatever you may get, the return process, if you don't like them, very, very simple. In fact, if you get a pair of underwear at Mac Weldon, you try it out. Maybe you're not the biggest fan. You can actually initiate a refund without having to send the pair back. You can keep the pair. That's how confident Mac Weldon is that you will like them. Go to MacWeldon.com. Use promo code voices. That is promo code voices at MacWeldon.com to save 20%. Speaking of saving, Jericho is apparently going to be a uh, a possible regular tag team, depending on how this tournament goes for the Universal Championship. Chris Jericho and Kevin Owens, they beat Cass and Enzo. Were you surprised? Very. Uh, I thought they had stopped this beating guys in their hometown stuff, especially with the pop they got, and especially in the opening position. Uh, you know, I... That, but I mean, Cass and Enzo were an established tag team, and Jericho yeah. and Owens are not. I I don't see, I mean, unless they, I mean, there's there's no way they could 
tell that this tournament was coming up. So I don't really know why they did it here. Yeah, it's very it's very odd. It's very odd. But that maybe they just wanted a different surprise. Maybe uh, I, it, it's really hard telling. This whole Finn Balor thing has thrown Raw for a loop. Yes. It really has. But that, that was your win. Charlotte defeating Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks taking some time off for uh, for medical reasons. Her That's back is the one out. that ticked me off. Well, Sasha Banks wasn't going to win. Uh, that It wasn't just going to happen. She's out for a while. They and were she's preparing out for, for that. She's out for a month. I mean, look, you don't need to strip the title from her necessarily. You can have her forfeit if she's going to be out for 30 days or so. And this is before the Finn thing. So, I mean, but it was it's just one of those things where it's like you just had her win the title. And now you're taking it off of her. For for a growing division that needs credibility, I think that's a mistake. That's just me. I think it was a mistake. Now, does the fact you may have thought it was a mistake, were you tempered at all the next night when Bailey returned to Raw or debuted on Raw? And now it looks like Bailey and Charlotte is the direction. Did that ease your mind a little bit? Did that uh, calm things down for you? No, because I I'll tell you why. I think Bailey's on the wrong brand. I'm happy she's on Raw, but the thing about her debuting on Raw is now the expectation is there that she has to immediately go into the programs with Charlotte and Sasha. And that's not the Bailey story. The Bailey story is for the people who don't know her, who didn't follow NXT, she has to lose this match to Charlotte. And I don't know if the main roster has the patience to rebuild someone, especially on the flagship show. If she goes over to SmackDown, she gets to run through all those people and start to build that story so that when she's traded over to Raw, and then you can do either on a super show, the Charlotte or Sasha match, and do the second match once she's ported over, then you have something. But here, they have to beat her. And I don't know where she goes after they beat her because once Sasha comes back, she's probably getting put right back in there. You have Nia Jax, who they still want to build as a star, I would think. I I, I just, I, I think it's the wrong brand, but I mean, for me here, I, my choice would have been a short-term program with Asuka for Clash of Champions because then you can build up the two champions. You could get Asuka away from the NXT roster and build up Ember Moon as a credible contender without Asuka's looming shadow of being the biggest ass kicker in the division who totally outclasses everybody. And then you can do the build with Bailey on the main roster. Um, the one thing I thought they did very well with Bailey here, I thought that the, the choice to have the Mick Foley cheap pop I thought that was great. I thought that was adorable. That shows, yeah, that's that's the Bailey you're gonna fall in love with. Everybody, the the goofy sense of humor Bailey, who's still you know the girl next door. But Raw, sure. I'm I'm nervous. I'm nervous about Bailey being on the Raw roster and being thrown in the main event picture so quick. It was a good win. It was the right crowd to do it in front of if you're gonna do uh-huh. that because it gave her all the it gave her a strong win with all the hits. They know what to cheer for, they know what her finisher is. I just you know, we saw with Dolph Ziggler, we see it with even Becky Lynch. Once you start beating someone, they don't know how to rebuild them after that. And they already have an underdog story on Raw in Sami Zayn. Yeah, but he's not going anywhere. I mean, he's not doing anything. No, I know that. Yeah. But exactly. Now, they didn't do anything with it. <laughs> show me show me some of that fire for the Miz versus Apollo Crews. Oh, I'll show you fire for the Miz versus Daniel Bryan if oh, you want to go into SmackDown. 
That talking I'm, smack segment with Daniel Bryan and The Miz is getting so talked about. This talking smack show has been more newsworthy than SmackDown has uh, has been itself. Well, it it's two people who have very legitimate criticisms. To me, it became more than just in character stuff because, I mean, it was it was Mrs. Best's promo of his career. I don't care if it was a work or a shoot. He was fired up, and it doesn't matter. Honestly, it doesn't matter if it was a work or a no. Shoot. It, it does obviously a work, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, but I mean, it, it it's it's obvious Daniel Bryan's gimmick of pushing people's buttons on purpose on this show didn't sit well. At one point, because he because look, Miz's character is that he's soft. It is that he's a coward at least, and and his whole the whole Mizdow gimmick was because he didn't want to get hit. That's part of the character. But when Brian brought in the boys, and when I was working on the Indies, we all thought that you were you, that, that that this was the kind of the soft style. It turned into basically Miz having to justify his 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 existence and Miz is in a difficult position in that he is between generations of wrestlers. When he was first brought up, it was the JBLs and Benoit's who would pick on him for not being tough or just being a reality star and not going through the territories and all that other crap. And then you get this generation, which, which cut their teeth on the Indies and had to really struggle in the age of big men to get where they were. And Miz has survived both. And I understand if he got a little bit pissy at this. And and trust me, I understand that Daniel Bryan probably may have gotten pissy legit at, at, at that line of go back and play in the bingo halls with your friends. You know, it's, it's saying all the right things in the wrong way. And there is a style that Miz could work that is, quote unquote, more vicious looking, but still safe. But Vince McMahon doesn't want it. And that's the old Southern style. I mean, we've watched Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair matches. We've watched Ric Flair and Harley race. Those guys barely did anything, but it looked vicious. And they were still safe with one another. But Vince doesn't like that kind of style. He likes spectacle. So, you know, it's a case of everybody has a point here. Everybody's kind of in the wrong here. And it was vastly entertaining. So, I mean, I hope they follow up with it on the main show, to be honest with you. We had anyway the Miz won. By did the way, you have an did bonkers. you have an opinion? I just loved watching it. Yeah. Um, I mean it was interesting. You know, Daniel Bryan when he walked off the set, you can kind of see like he maybe he maybe regretted obviously going into that that conversation. Oh yeah. Because this is a guy who can't wrestle anymore. He he's out there saying if WWE would let me, he's probably he's probably kind of emotional about it. And, and the Miz this, went at it. The Miz, the, the Miz is the Intercontinental Champion. His gimmick is that he's soft, but his gimmick is that he's soft while pretending he's not. Right. And so, and well, and let's remember something. Okay, the Intercontinental Champion, for all the talk it was of being the worker's belt with perfect and Hitman Hart and Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels, the longest running Intercontinental Champion, Honky Tonk Man, not known for being a great worker necessarily. So again. Both sides have a point here, but I think title, Daniel title I think histories da- too, by the way, are, are such great works because it doesn't matter. It's a pro yeah. wrestling championship. It's all um, fake. <laughs> it, it's all, it's all scripted that, and that I kind of like the irony sometimes of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, for lack of the actual word, 
I, I like that sometimes where you can have Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair, you know, all not Ric Flair, but Ricky Steamboat, Macho Man, all these great intercontinental champions. Stone Cold Steve Austin was an intercontinental champion. You have these great names as intercontinental champion, but yes, the longest reigning honky tonk man, one of the I, most entertaining Santino Morella. Yeah. I just love someone having passion in a promo for once in my friggin' life. Instead of telling me, you'd like to see this a lot more on TV and not on the network special that really no one watches. God, oh, and, and, and as someone else pointed out to me, yeah. And Miz looked into the camera for the promo, which is something I've wanted for years, but you know, it was it was definitely a time for Miz to justify his existence, and it was a time for Daniel Bryan's little trolling gimmick where he pushes people's buttons to kind of get smacked in the mouth a little bit. So, I mean, I think... He's been, he's been a little bit of a prick ever since yes. coming back. Oh, no, he hasn't been a little bit of a prick. He's been a huge prick to he's people He's been a big prick to, to a lot of people. He's been and, that doesn't mean, and that doesn't mean you're not a nice person. That's true. It just That's means true. he's trying to enter, he's trying to entertain himself. He's yeah. trying to be a little rascally troublemaker, yeah. but he doesn't realize he's being a prick when he's doing it. <laughs> um, question for you, Jeff Hawkins. Yes. Who inducts Miz into the WWE Hall of Fame? Maurice. You think it would be Maurice? I think so. I mean, obviously she would fit. I don't know if they would want his wife there. She would be in the audience. She can come out with him. I think that's I an interesting know. call okay, if she me, does the induction. Let me think. I don't know necessarily. I mean, who would you pick here? Well, I think Maurice is an option. I think that would be the celebrity I, du jour to, to, to induct him. Well, we had someone. Uh, I wish I could give credit. I don't remember who it was. We had someone on the uh, Twitter feed at Shake Them Ropes. We had someone on the Twitter feed suggest that you get a cavalcade of Hollywood stars to all introduce him. Like you have 10 stars on the stage introducing the Miz, like George Clooney and Brad Pitt are up there. I think as one final F you, they're going to make, they're going to let Miz and Doug Daniel Bryan. <laughs> yeah. And then the other way around Daniel Bryan, because Daniel Bryan's a name that would fit. Uh, Maurice is a name. They would never go this high because Miz, you know, ultimately isn't that important, but John Cena is actually a viable candidate to yeah. induct the Miz. Uh, Ron Killings might be a name in there. Alex uh, Riley. I, I knew someone was going to say Alex Riley. <laughs> it might as well be me. John Morrison, if uh, they're on good terms at some point. John Morrison is a guy. He's and, he's never coming back, I don't think. Right. Maybe just to do the Hall of Fame induction of the Miz, but I don't know if uh, if that. You would want be that hold on. You want John Morrison giving a speech? Well, no, just an induction. I mean, you're you're talking about guys who relate to the career of the Miz, and Morrison was a big part of the early stage of Mrs. Career for sure. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we talked about the AJ Styles, John Cena match in 23 minutes. AJ beat John Cena. Uh, cementing himself right now as the top guy on SmackDown. We had the tag team clash between Gallows and Anderson against the New Day. Big E returned. Uh, this was all about the Big E returning. And we don't really know if Gallows and Anderson are going to still be with the New Day, right? Or do we? I, did I miss something on Raw? Because they attacked the Dudley boys. And they we asked, didn't get they much asked interaction. For, no, they, they said they get a rematch because, okay. Uh, okay. because they, they officially won the match. So, yeah. And then John Stewart got to do his little fantasy camp crap Stewart. out there. Yep. Yeah. John, John Stewart playtime. John Stewart playtime. American icon, John Stewart. Uh, Dean Ambrose defeated Dolph Ziggler. He is still the WWE world champion. It seems like they've, they've uh, settled on the name for the SmackDown title as WWE world championship. Decent match. Nobody believed Dolph was going to win though. 
And at that and at that point in the card, I mean, it was so early. Everybody was kind of like miffed that it was that early. It was so early. It was the ninth match. There were only three after it. Yeah, but everybody. I think nobody. I mean, my feed at least was mad that it went on before Roman Reigns. There were uh, there was actually four after it. There is a match. Yeah, because you have the you have the six the six uh, the six woman tag from SmackDown. There there is a match right. missing on the old SummerSlam Wikipedia page right now. There oh, really? The, the Roman Reigns Rusev match is missing. It's um, it's considered a no contest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so they don't even list it on the. Oh, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Uh, you had the six woman tag. Nikki Bella is back. Uh, Nikki Bella was indeed the mystery woman. Um, no Bailey. Obviously, Bailey. We would get on on Raw the next night. No, but we predicted it would be Nikki Bella. Yeah, but and return for Nikki Bella. She was, Nikki she was Bella good. got a great pop, and I think People it was like the Nikki. right. It was the right call to turn her face. And I think Carmella is going to be a very underrated heel because her first vignettes when she came on to NXT as the hairdresser for Enzo and Cass, she had annoying down. And Enzo and Cass, I believe, were still heels at that time. Yeah, She can play this character, and she's very good at it. Now, what that means in terms of long-term ramifications is Becky Lynch is getting nowhere near the SmackDown women's title. Nope. That's going to that's gonna be Nikki and Natty. And and yeah. Becky will be thrown in the mix there occasionally, but the thought that this she'd be able to build that belt up to be a champion, I thought it might end up being a program of Becky and Nikki, with Nikki eventually putting Becky over as a new star. That's not going to happen. Finn Balor defeated Seth Rollins to win the Universal Championship. Uh-huh. And a day later, it would all be for naught. The history of this championship, the main title, because and. And not necessarily, obviously, the Universal Championship itself, because it, the history was one day old. But Seth Rollins had to drop this championship. Roman Reigns loses the title. The Dean Ambrose gets suspended. This championship over the last three years, Daniel Bryan, of course, going back to Daniel Bryan, this championship has had a long, uh, recent struggle of being lost in the ring. It, it's been vacated a lot, and we have that again with Finn Balor. The match itself did not really get the crowd too into it. This crowd was going all over the place. What were you thinking watching Finn Balor and Seth Rollins with the reactions they were getting, with the moves that were being hit, with the eventual injury of Finn Balor? It was a pretty newsworthy match, obviously. The crowd was dead because John Cena and AJ Styles stole the show. And the only thing the crowd could concentrate on is the horribleness of the belt, which took away from the match quite a bit. I mean, the, 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 the match didn't have a lot of pop to it. It was still a solid match. I enjoyed watching it, but after the match, I just went kind of went, huh? And I was more surprised that Finn went over, um, on raw. I think Finn cut the best promo since he was signed. I mean, that, that promo was great that he did. That's the promo I've been waiting for a championship promo. The, the bad news is it's on his way out. Is so Seth Rollins too dangerous. Yes. And so he's, oh gosh, you know what? Not, I was too, I was too I was, now. I mean, it, it's Finn yes. Balor, a younger and guy John, who's and, well protected and John Cena and John Cena. Yeah. And him and himself. Um, is, is, could he be doing it? Is he that ruthless to be doing too, this on purpose? I'm no, going to take no, everyone no, out so no, I can no, be a top star. No, no. Too dangerous is the wrong words. Uh, do less. I mean, we hear that all the time. He's, he's too dangerous. Here, here's what it is. He's too indie so to speak. He's too concerned with popping the crowd with his high flying and his, and he, he's, he, wa- he wants the same kind of credit that face darlings get in a match. And by doing these kind of high risk things, but 
the buckle bomb is a move. I mean, I don't view it as a dangerous move. I view it as a move that can be dangerous, much like every move. This ain't ballet, as they like to say. But I, you know what? I'm more inclined to to blame the travel schedule and fatigue more than the move itself. It's just something that happens over time because they do these things night after night after night, as opposed to saying having, you know, a couple weeks off before they do a big show or just house shows before. I mean, they do house shows, but you know, those are kind of light, but they're still doing these TV tapings and having to do air and play all the hits there. And then they do three other shows and then they have to do a big six hour pay-per-view you know, which is a long haul for them being in the back waiting around to do their match. And then they have to do Monday night the next night. It's like, my God, you know, it, it's, I understand the expectation of, well, Vince can do it because, you know, Vince's machine and other guys in the old territories could do it, but they were, they were fighting a lighter style. And unless Seth adapts to a more lighter style, so to speak, main event style, some people call it, I don't believe that necessarily, but this is going to continue to happen. I think if people want to continue to steal the show on the main event level by doing it, quote unquote, indie spots, I don't know. What do you think? I think it's too dangerous. If he's going to injure the guys he's working with, with that buckle bomb, just drop the buckle bomb. I agree. I say, bring back the drive by. It was, or, I, or I, think I mean, simple. the curb stomp, the curb stomp, I mean, was simple. I mean, the, the visual of it looked violent, but call it, it, it something face, else then. Yeah, it was, a, it was a front bump. It wasn't that bad. Uh, Seth Rollins was much safer at that. It's just not a move that you want people trying because obviously that can be very dangerous if people and especially well, kids are trying it. Yeah. Well, here you go. That, you, that, buckle you, bomb, that buckle bomb is being taken by professionals and it's injuring everyone. Yes. And the difference is they're not in control of their body necessarily. Right. They so, don't know so where just, they're going to land, when yes. they're going to land. So just have them do moves where the other guy is in control of how they land. And then, then it's not on Seth. It's yeah. I maybe just drop that move. I don't think it's needed. No, like that move going away from his repertoire is going to be that big of a deal. Give him a pile driver. Give him something. <laughs> give him the pedigree for Christ's sake, because he couldn't do the. You know, give him something else. Yeah. Give him. You know, make him. Let him do more knee lifts. I don't know. Just just steal the entire Triple H arsenal. And Triple H ain't hitting no buckle bombs. Yeah. Uh, Rusev and Roman Reigns didn't happen. Roman Reigns just completely crushed him. And lo and behold, the next night he had to be in this Universal Championship tournament. Well, I knew it pissed you off because you texted me when it happened. You're like, and I'm driving at the time. I'm driving to where I'm (laughs) eventually right now. So I'm not watching the show. You're texting me about how crazy and how stupid this was. And I just had to ask what it was. And you tell me, and it's like, whoa, what's happening? So I watched it the next day. And Roman Reigns gets his match with Rusev on Raw without the championship on the line. Roman Reigns wins. And here, the whole purpose of this match now happening at SummerSlam was for the U.S. championship. And what does Roman do? He decides at that moment, it is time to just beat Rusev to a pulp and not actually go for the title. What the hell is the whole point? Yeah. Yeah. To not beat either of them. And then to continue this terrible Lana has doubts about Rusev story that they continued on Raw the next night. And now you're just adding that, you know, Roman Reigns, big star doesn't care about the U S title. So why should anyone? Right. I didn't, I didn't like that at all. I didn't like it. I, it's not like we even needed to see another match. We talked about that last week, but if you're going to have the, the title on the line, you got to do the match. You gotta, you gotta want it. Oh, well, 
Oh, well. And that was a no contest. So obviously it's not on the Wikipedia page anymore. Very strange. You know what? I bet if I refresh, it might show up back there. Those WWE articles get edited a ton. Mm. Uh, So we'll see if it shows back. Nope, not yet. Uh, Brock Lesnar, 11 minutes, destroys Randy Orton. We talked about it a little bit, but this match is more just all Brock Lesnar. Randy Orton does hit an RKO in this one and Brock kicks out. Uh, the cliffhanger, though, is Brock Lesnar F5-ing Shane McMahon and the thought of what is Shane going to do. And I thought it was even more comical on Monday, or maybe it was Tuesday, when it was announced that Stephanie McMahon had fined Brock Lesnar $500, making it pretty obvious that like she was happy about it, so she gave him the most minimal fine she possibly could because she was laughing at the fact that he F5 Shane. We're doing immediate feuds between Raw and SmackDown. This is it a mistake. Didn't, didn't hurry up, did it? I mean, they uh, they did not wait much. They are going right at it. The GMs are fighting. You got Daniel Bryan involved in this controversy with The Miz. Uh, no one has any control. <laughs> it's, there's no long-term planning. I mean, it's it's obvious. So, I mean, is it fair? Is it fair to ask right now if the brand extension lasts past uh, next SummerSlam? I don't think it does necessarily. I think it might. I mean, but these rosters are so thin right now, and they may get thinner tomorrow. Who knows? But you know, I. It just feels like they're using excuses to have crossover to try and get people to watch both shows, and I'm just like, that's not. That's what made people sick of it in the first place. I I was just thinking about it. Um, by the by the way, if you haven't watched all of SmackDown, it is worth your time to watch AJ and Dolph. I that know, is a I, great I wanna, match. I just haven't I haven't watched all of SmackDown yet. Okay. Um, is it true? This is my question for you. Is it true that Rhino and Heath Slater are a tag team in this tournament? Yes, it is. And that was that's the first segment of SmackDown, and it is fantastic. Heath Slater is over as a face, and I don't. They get he got a great pop. He went looking for it. They said, "You need a tag team partner. We'll enter you in this tournament." Because he originally he was like, "I can go for any title." He goes, "You don't have the equipment for the women's belt, so you can't do that." But if you can find a partner, we'll put you in this tournament. And so he went to the Miz, who was listening on a Bluetooth. Uh, to a phone call and that was like a, a, a bait and or not a bait and switch but a fake out he asked arn anderson eventually who said you should have come to me first instead of uh after all these other people you asked and then eventually rhino came back to pay off the beginning being in the end and said you know a tag team title could pay for a lot of above ground pools and and thus that team was born i don't necessarily i think they're gonna blow this a little bit I think they're going to blow it and have Heath Slater turn on Rhino after they lose. Cause I think they're going to lose to the Usos, but um, to, to help build up because the Usos and the Ascension are going to be spoiler fighting in the second round or not the Ascension, but uh, American alpha. And then this Slater mystery team is going to be taking on um, this, we don't whatever know we don't know yet, but, but eventually could be, the I Douglas. think it's, could be yeah. could be Tully and Arn, could no. be Sid and Hogan, but but I think eventually what's going to happen is the Usos are going to end up screwing Heath Slater out of it, and then Heath is going to blame Rhino. But that's me. But no, okay. it's a fun it's a fun segment. Heath Slater is fantastic here. 
uh, it's worth going out of your way to watch. Backlash is an interesting show because you're going to have Dean and Styles for the world title. Oh, Prop Comic, rest- De- Prop Comic Dean is back, by the way. Prop Com- oh, great. I can't yeah. wait. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, it sounds like. Yes. And those are your top two matches and then everyone else. Like, you don't well, even... The- you don't even have Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio could have been somewhere on this card, but he's suspended. Like this card is going to be, it's, it's going to remind you of early two thousands brand split pay-per-views when Paul London and Brian Kendrick are third from the top. Well, you have, you know, the tag team tournament, you have the women, they're doing a six pack for the women, which uh-huh, I think is a mistake. Yeah. Couldn't even I think have they should... too many tournaments, man, too many tournaments going. No, on. I get that. You, you have somewhere in here, you'll probably have a Kalisto and, uh, and uh, uh what's his face the big dumb guy uh, <laughs> corbin. corbin is not dumb okay baron corbin is a superstar sorry just, oh, just oh no don't even i don't care about the rest of that thought the this the nxt uh-huh. tonight airing wednesday most of you have already seen this or uh or you know know what happens by the time you listen to the show ty dillinger they yeah. are going to air the Ty Dillinger match from Brooklyn. So I cannot wait to see how that Brooklyn crowd reacts to Ty Dillinger in the perfect 10. That'll be interesting. And a question for you. It was raised on the Twitter feed. We will make this our Twitter question of the week. How interesting would it have been if a guy like Tino Sabatelli got the Bobby Roode glorious music instead of Bobby Roode? Do you think that Tino Sabatelli could make it if he got that entrance? Because right now, Bobby Roode is relying pretty heavily on that entrance. People know who Bobby Roode is, yes, but he's he's relying heavily on that entrance. What if they gave that entrance music to a new guy, to a Tino Sabatelli? A guy, by the way, who has the ego, who has the look to fit into that entrance music and be Mr. Glorious. Do you think the music would be as over if it was on Tino Sabatelli? No, because I think people would be saying, why are they using it on a guy who doesn't have good matches? But how do you know he doesn't? Because from all live reports, it seems like Tino Sabatelli does pretty well for himself. Okay. If he, no, I think, okay, then that's my. As good as Bobby Roode is doing. I mean, that's, hold on. That, that that Manny Andrade match with Bobby Roode. I watched it. I actually did watch it again. And holy crap is Andrade just outclassing Bobby Roode the entire time. I I agree. But Bobby Roode has a certain amount of name value and a certain amount of heft in the ring that he's earned. And Tino Sabatelli hasn't yet. If Tino Sabatelli blew people away with his, with his matches. Yes, it would work for him. If he didn't, people would view it as a mistake to have such a great theme song on such a bum. That that's, that's what the truth would be. Cause that full sale university crowd isn't going to be very forgiving. That's if they feel someone's being, if someone's just an entrance, I really am excited to see. Throat. Yeah. I'm excited to see how they react to Tino when he eventually debuts. Cause I, I, I hope still, he does soon for your sake, because I'm getting tired of having the inside jokes. <laughs> about it. I like them. These aren't inside jokes. These aren't, uh, this isn't me trolling. I don't know. Um, but yes, that we, we have to go. My time is up. I want to thank everyone for listening to the Jeff portion. We'll be back. Mark Maxwell <laughs> of freelance wrestling. And we have Chris J of the bet. Uh, some pretty good interviews. I hope you, I hope you check them out and let us know your feedback on this episode. You know, obviously not the best episode to leave feedback on just because of the uh, situation we were dealt. We should be back to normal next week. Uh, Mark Maxwell, freelance wrestling coming up next. Have a good weekend.
Rob McCarron here, joined now by Mark Maxwell of Freelance Wrestling. He is a commentator. He is on the booking team of Freelance Wrestling. Has an event coming up on August 26th in Chicago, Illinois at the Chop Shop. Is this your first time, Mark? And thank you for joining us being at the Mm -hmm. Chop Shop in Chicago. It is. Yeah, we've uh, started to do a little bit of venue bouncing. (laughs) Um, We've been running at Bottom Lounge uh, pretty much since December for every, every single show. Um, we used to run the Abbey pub, which was this phenomenal, uh, bar venue. It's actually on bar rescue. If you watch that show at all, mm-hmm. um, John Taffer read their floors and we used to do all of our shows at the Abbey. And in December of last year, it was the biggest show that we'd done up until that point. Um, it was for the wrestling road diary show. So we had Colt Cabana, kick Utaro, um, Grado coming, all those guys coming in. And like a week before the show, we got a call that the Abbey had had a fire Uh (laughs) and was like in in no way ready to host an event. Um, So we were like, all right, shit. Uh, What do we do? What do we do? Yeah. Yeah. So we ran Bottom Lounge. And initially, I think the venue was like super skeptical Uh of having wrestling there because, of course, you probably find um, that most venues are right off the bat, aren't they? Oh my God. Yeah. And I, and I, and the sad thing is like, I don't blame them. Oh, sure. Because I feel like on the whole, the wrestling business has done more to show that it is bad than it is good. Okay. So, um, so yeah, initially I felt, I felt like they were super skeptical, but we kind of won them over month after month. And the only, the only issue with bottom line is they're a busy place. Like it's, it's touring season for a lot of bands. So availability gets tough. So we're we're hoping to run a couple places going forward, and we want to make it a truly Chicago experience, freelance in general. So you want to run different parts of the city as well. Um, so we we will be back at Bottom Lounge in the future, uh, for sure. But this show we are doing a new uh, venue. It's in Wicker Park, which is a very good market for the type of people that we tend to draw. Uh, so it should be a really good time. What is the big, you mentioned that you have this venue who has to drop out because of something, you know, obviously beyond your control, but it does mm-hmm. cause a little bit of a panic. You know, where are we going to hold the show? What, what advertising yeah. have we been done? Is that the biggest, oh shit type of moment you've had as a promoter? Is there something else that stands out? Um, that, that was the first really bad one when I was involved with anything. Um, probably around October of last year is when I started to become involved with the booking process. Uh, and that was the first thing where I was like, Oh my God, like what is going to happen? Uh, since then I, (laughs) I would say, and it's crazy to say this because I've loved every single show that we've done this year for the most part. I think there was like maybe one that I was like, that was, that was okay. But even like the feedback I saw on it was really good. Um, we've had almost every main event fall apart for our last like seven shows at this point literally nothing goes as you plan it. <laughs> um, is, is that the biggest struggle as a promoter? The the yeah, talent changes? Like what, what is the struggle for you as a promoter? So, so I don't deal with the actual promotion aspect of it. Okay. I, I deal more with just matchmaking and stories. Sure. Okay. Um, it's still very, it's, I would say for me, it's that I'm kind of an obsessive planner. Yeah. I will text our ownership group, like 40 ideas in one sitting out of nowhere, just during the middle of my work day, because I'm like, Hey, wouldn't this be cool? Um, <laughs> but I, I like to have things planned. I like stories to be continuous and I, I like things to 
follow the path that I had initially envisioned. And that's like the hardest thing to come to terms with is literally nothing can go exactly the way you want it. Yeah. And and then a lot of times it'll be beyond your control. You literally can't change it one bit. Yep. Yeah. And, And there are times where that can be really scary and there are times where uh, it can get frustrating, but I'm where I have learned to relax a little bit is I think our roster is phenomenal. Um, probably the thing I was most nervous about this year was in June, we did our first title change. Um, the title had been around for a full, almost a full year at that point. And Isaiah Velasquez had been the champion the entire time. And it was, I, okay. So Isaiah is kind of your typical gloaty asshole heel. He's basically Floyd Mayweather. Okay. It's basically how I view his character. Um, the crowd was starting to realize how good he was and appreciate him. And I view that and I look at it from a booking perspective of, okay, we have this heel champion who is very hated. Now they're starting to cheer him a little bit we need to kind of give somebody the rub of beating the big bad heel before he basically is forced into being a baby face. Sure. Um, so we, we thought it was about the time to make a title change. And we had a lot of guys that were over enough to be champion. And the guy that we ultimately went with was Mustafa Ali. Um, and it wasn't that I was worried if Ali was going to be able to pull it off but it was more so like they really like everybody is the crowd going to get behind Ali in unison or are they going to be pissed that it wasn't Suge D? Are they going to be pissed? It wasn't GPA. Like are the, are the crowd who had their other favorites going to be pissed that it wasn't theirs? Um, and the way we set it up was you did a six man scramble opener. The winner would wrestle for the title later that night. So I was worried that Ali was going to win the scramble and the people that wanted Suge or GPA to win would be like, nah, man, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like We're out. But Ali's so transcendently good, obviously, that they got completely behind it. But I think that was the most nervous I was about anything was because um, I I had really pushed hard for Ali to be that guy. Yeah. And like you said, like there are times where it's out of your control. And I'm starting to realize that with the roster we have and Ali winning the title is a prime example of it. Like we have the talent that when it's out of our hands and into theirs, they're going to fucking run with it and they're going to make it better than it was. I can imagine it's also nerve wracking since you did a six man scramble early in the show. Like you Mm -hmm. have two hours or whatever it may be to sit with the reactions and the decision and second guess yourself or go through all the different type of emotions instead of just doing a title change and it being done. Oh, sorry, I accidentally muted my mic. Okay. Um, I was wondering, uh, where did uh, yeah. he go? The, the questions felt, weren't that bad. No, no, no. no. <laughs> um, I, th- I felt like after the scramble, I knew that the crowd was very cool yeah. with Ali winning the title. Um, well, Ali's an interesting name, too, because he's in the WWE yeah. Cruiserweight Classic, so this kind of gives the promotion a little bit of pub. He's making the national name for, sure. for himself now after being in the Chicago area for, what, almost 10 years? Yeah, and... One of the, it's, I don't know, it's one of those things where for a long time, the only good company here was AAW. Uh-huh. So if you weren't there, like people didn't know who you were. And do you, do you feel like you're starting to gain traction to where if people are oh, at freelance wrestling, they'll start to learn who they are. They don't have to go to a single promotion. For sure. For sure. And I think it's good. And I think that the fact that our rosters are, are pretty much entirely different benefits both of us. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
yeah, I, we're at the point now where our guys are starting to branch out and get a lot more places because of what they've done here. Now, and, now one guy, one guy in particular who has branched out, he's been an independent name for a good portion of time. He's working mm-hmm. Evolve. He's working all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethan Page was in yeah. AAW and then he, he's now in freelance wrestling and that mm-hmm. caused a little bit of a hoopla. What went into getting Ethan Page on the roster? A lot of that was between the owner and, and, and him. Okay. So I, I can't really speak to it. Um, what I can speak to is that he is a massive asset to the company. Um, and I, I don't want that to be understated in any way. I am so, so glad that Ethan Page is in freelance, uh, for a number of reasons. Essentially, I think he's become one of the most underrated in-ring guys on the Indies. I think he's been phenomenal. If you look at just, just his wrestling this year, and then you add in the fact that he is an excellent talker. And on top of that, he's one of the smartest people in wrestling that I've spoken to. And additionally, he genuinely cares um, about making your show better. Uh, there were a couple guys that he brings in with him every show in Kobe Durst and Space Monkey. And a lot of times you'll get guys from out of town that are like, oh, if I'm going to be on the show, I want to bring my students or like these young guys. And sometimes those guys are fucking atrocious. Uh-huh. And if Ethan Page wanted to, Ethan Page could probably bring in shit to your guys that are terrible and say, hey, I'm Ethan Page. I've got a big name. I have a lot of Twitter followers. Put them on the show. And we'd have to do it. But, but Kobe Durst and Space Monkey are outstanding and have kind of broken out in their own right. And I think it speaks to the character of Ethan Page that he was like, hey, I'm bringing these guys and they're good. And it speaks and it works both ways. He's helping us. He's helping our promotion and he's helping these other guys, mm-hmm. you know, reach that next level and giving us, you know, excellent pieces to work with that we wouldn't have had otherwise because we, we can't we can only actively scout so much. Um, and he like just bringing in those guys, his overall attitude, like Ethan Page is such a big asset that I think promotions that aren't using him uh, should start using him. <laughs> He's been great for us. What about, uh, so you're, you're talking about limited scouting and trying to find talents to bring into freelance who, who might be a guy that's out there that may not be super well known that you wish you could have in freelance. Maybe there's a storyline you already have in mind. Maybe there's something you wish you could do with them. Is there, is there a talent out there? I, yeah, I can't spill the beans, but there's someone who we have debuting in a storyline capacity in September that I am very excited about. So come um, September, when this person debuts or when the event takes place, you yeah. can come back and say, you know yep. what? That was the guy I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and kind of another sort of under the radar guy that's debuting on our next show um, is this guy, Andres Vidal, <laughs> um, who who doesn't really have any buzz and I think is going to knock the socks off of people. Do, do, um, you think, do you think as a booker, that's sometimes even better that a guy doesn't have a huge yeah. name because you oh, can you can mold it and you don't have to do their character or whatever the case may be? Yeah. And I think I think I think it's more fun for the talent, too. And I think it's just a cool I love when the crowd organically gets behind somebody. And Space Monkey is one of the prime examples of that he was a guy who was on a show um, because we had open spots and he was in a car with Ethan page yeah. and he's probably become like one of our, everyone's really over at freelance. So it's uh-huh. hard to say, but like may, he might be like one of the five most over guys on the roster. And that's saying a lot. Um, and that's a guy who wasn't really a whole lot of places before we used him and it's all on him. Like we did, we 
had no plans for the guy. Like he was just on a show and delivered in a huge way time and time again. And has got this big following now. Um, GPA was the same thing. He, everyone in the Midwest has known how good he is for a long time, uh, especially in the Chicagoland area. And he was like kind of on freelance shows and didn't really do a whole lot. And we needed someone to wrestle Chase Owens. And we were just like, what? A, and I, I was, I was the one that like three days before the show, the guy that we had planned for him dropped out. And I was like, what about GPA? And we kind of used GPA. And now he's really started to get a lot of traction from it. Um, I, I really like when there are gems and you can finally unleash them to the world and let them show how good they are. And that's, it's all on the talent. Like, again, our, our roster is so good that it makes our job really easy. And the hardest thing for us is to, we have so many people that are over that we can't fit them all on shows. Mm -hmm. And that is like, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. And if, if you're a fan who hasn't watched freelance yet, and you're looking at this roster and you're like, who are some of these people? Like, this is why you need to watch the show is <laughs> because this is the conundrum that we're facing. So obviously all of these people on the show are good. What's even the if website? What's the website where people can go find you out? Yeah. Freelancewrestling.com um, has tickets, shirts, uh, merchandise, all that sort of stuff. And then smvod.com, uh, Smart Rick Video On Demand. All of our shows are there. Um, so you can get the downloads on the cheap there. I think they're like 10 bucks. We're doing $5 live streams of our shows. Um, it's not the the best quality, but that's why we're charging $5 for it. Um, yeah, and people can get a taste of the action. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's it's a, a, a really great show every single time. Um, August 26th, August 26th, yes. the next one, uh, Freelance Wrestling, The Chop Shop in Chicago, Illinois. Go to FreelanceWrestling.com for all of the info. Mark Maxwell, this was great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Sorry, I, I ramble quite a no, bit. No, no, not I at really all. I enjoyed it. You're, you're getting into full promoter slash booker mode. <laughs> the, the answering of the questions for so long. Hey, hijack the show. That's what your job is, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's actually the exact opposite. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the truth. That's the truth. Mark Maxwell, Freelance Wrestling. Go check him out if you're in Chicago. The Chop Shop coming up on the 26th. Chris J joins us now. Chris J is the co-writer, producer, and actor in the new movie, The Bet, which you can find on Amazon Video, YouTube, and so many other places, and we'll let him tell us all about that. But Chris, how are you today? I'm doing great, Rob. Nice to talk to you, man. How's everything with you? Everything is going well here. Uh, what really got this movie, the movie is called The Bet. Uh, it comes out, mm-hmm. it's out right now. You can go uh, get uh, yeah, it on just demand. released this week, so brand new. Absolutely. It's uh, What caught my eye is not just the main cast, because there are some actors who have done some things in this movie but also some of the cameos, some of the different appearances from guys like Diamond Dallas Page, Jake Roberts, Roddy mm-hmm. Piper, Tommy Dreamer, and in a one of these things isn't quite like the others, Chuck D is in this movie. <laughs> yes, yes, very true. What, what, did it, what was your uh, motivation, basically, to get this movie going? Yeah, so um, the very short version of a long story is I spent my life in the band Army of Freshmen, and we were one of those rock and roll bands that you may have heard of, you may not have. We would kind of come to town, and we'd open up for the bigger band. We were, you know, one of the opening acts, and 
travel all around the world, life was good. Then all of a sudden downloading came. And by the late 2000s, it was sort of the end of the road for the music industry as you and I know it. Um, and I found myself a lot more time on my hands than I'd ever expected. And uh, myself and my guitar player, Aaron, we decided to write a screenplay. Um, I live in Ventura, California. So, you know, every idiot in California has a screenplay. I thought I'd join the, the, the masses, you know. Um, never had any intention of making a film. Just almost wanted to have an experiment of writing a movie. Um, and that led to uh, take my time to write this. And as we were writing this, Aaron and I, I always had the vision of the two dads in the film being professional wrestlers. And not that their characters were wrestlers, but in real life, they were wrestlers. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan, virtually out of the womb, lifelong Grew up in the 80s as a little kid going to see wrestling at the Spectrum and, you know, the total early WWF East Coast world. Um, became an ECW fan, the whole nine yards. I, I just adore wrestling. So I wrote these two characters with two wrestlers in mind to portray them. And when we went about casting the film, this is a low-budget effort, but it's one of these really cool things, Rob, where, like, everybody got on board to help it and support the project and, and really believed in it. It wasn't one of those, I hope when you do see it, um, if you haven't, that you are at the very least impressed, like, man, this looks pretty freaking good, you know, for a, for a micro-budget indie film. So um, I went about trying to cast these wrestlers um, and being a big wrestling fan, and, and that story in itself is a very wild one, how each guy came to it. Yeah, it's one thing to want pro wrestlers to be in the movie. It's mm -hmm. another thing to actually get them in the movie. Yeah. And and this is one of, uh, you know, Roddy Piper's final appearances, uh, maybe if mm -hmm. not the final appearance in film of Roddy Piper. How do you how do you go about trying to contact a DDP or a Roddy Piper and yeah. actually getting them to agree to be in this movie? Yeah, so um, what happened was I'm a Roddy Piper mark, always been, love the guy, right? And he was the first guy that I reached out to. And keep in mind, he's also done, as you know, a lot of acting in itself. So um, if you can believe this, I literally went to the website. There was a webmaster email in there, like web, web, webmaster at roddypiper.com. I emailed it. And Rob, I'm not kidding you, within minutes, I got an email back from Roddy Piper. I'm freaking out, you know? He said that he was aware of my band between me and you. I'm not sure if that was true, but I wasn't going to stop him if he thought we knew who we were, you know? So, um, you know, he, you know, there's uh, no said, way, hey, you know, there's okay. no way he ever heard of the band and that's not, yeah, that's not anything. No way, yeah. That's not negative on you. It's just, you know, that's, no. I think the go-to for these guys. Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, um, I, uh, you know, he said, let's get on the phone sometime and we can talk about the film. No kidding. About two days later, I get a phone call from Roddy Piper. I'm freaking out, man. You know, oh, man. I'm losing my mind. And uh, I pitch him on the movie. I tell him what it's about. He said, I'm going to be in Los Angeles sometime. Let's meet up. So I have essentially the fanboy afternoon of my life. And I literally go to lunch and have pizza with Roddy Piper. And Roddy, you want to talk about the movie? He's telling me wrestling stories. And he's telling me about fighting Mr. T at WrestleMania 2. And we're talking about music. And I think he just kind of... I like to think like me and sort of my insane enthusiasm for this project yeah. to the point that he was like, if you get this off the ground, kid, he was like, I'll be in it for you. I just like where you're coming from. So boom, I got myself Roddy Piper. So um, I'm on cloud nine. Roddy leads the DDP. I get in touch with the guy who knows DDP. I email DDP. I get a call from him in the middle, middle of the night, you know, bro, it's DDP. Uh, you really got Roddy in this movie. And I'm like, yeah, we got him. So uh, DDP agrees to do it, I think, based on the fact Roddy's in it, okay? So I got Roddy, I got DDP, life is good, we're getting ready to shoot, and things are about to get really crazy. Um, I end up getting screwed by Vince McMahon, like I believe many people have over the decades. Uh, I get a call from Roddy 
72 hours before we're about to shoot this movie. And he says, Chris, I'm so sorry. I can't do the film. Uh, Vince just called. WrestleMania 30 is coming up. They want me for a bunch of promotional appearances on Raw. I'm flying out to Florida. I'm so, so sorry. So at this point, Rob, on a small film like this, when you lose someone like that, it's catastrophic. You know, I mean, literally, it could it could ruin the whole movie. And he's supposed to shoot in 72 hours, and I'm thinking I'm going to lose DDP. Get in touch with DDP. To his credit, he agrees to still do the film, and he agrees to help try and find somebody. 72 hours. Names are flying around. We're contacting all these people. We contacted Goldberg. He needed $10,000 a day. That wasn't going to happen. Um, so uh, ultimately, it came to Jake. EDP's friends with Jake, as you know. Um, Jake was available on short notice to do it. Now, an important part of the story is you have to understand this is pre-resurrection. I know Jake is clean. I know Jake is healthy. I've seen the videos on YouTube, DDP Yoga. But between me and you, I'm not convinced, right? You know, like, this is my life on the line with this film. And I got visions of him showing up at the airport missing shoes. And, you know, I'm terrified, right? Mm-hmm. So I um, we roll the dice. We get Jake out. He flies out on 48-hour notice to be in this indie movie. And he's amazing. He kills it. DDP is great. Life is good. I'm on cloud nine. Now, um, as you had mentioned, it's, you know, Roddy Piper's last film appearance. And I told you that he wasn't in it. This is where it gets crazy. I get a call from Roddy. We're almost done shooting. There's two days left in the movie. We did it in like two weeks, Gorilla. And Roddy says, Chris, I'm so sorry. I couldn't. How did it go? I hope everything's going great. I said, Roddy, I don't care. Is there any way you can come up and just be in it? I don't care if you open up a door, scream your name, slam it. I just, you're, you're one of my heroes. I just want you in the film. He was the guy that kind of helped get the wrestlers involved, right? So he agrees to it. I pick Roddy Piper up in LA the next day. I bring him up to Ventura. We spend an hour in traffic in the car. We hit it off. Life's great. He comes up. He films a quick scene. He's amazing. He's a real actor. Um, as you can imagine, he workshops it right there. I'm hanging out with him, trying on the Hall of Fame ring. We're drinking Coca-Cola. It's basically having the time of my life, you know? Um, we have a wonderful ride back to Hollywood. And uh, as you know, um, very, very sadly, uh, you know, he passed away last year. And if there's one thing I'm proud of in all of this, it's that being a Roddy Piper hero, him being my hero my whole life, I'm excited that I can say that, you know, hey, I, I made the last movie he was in. It's a very small cameo, but that really means means the world to me. So that's, that is the short version of how we got all these guys on board. How are the other actors on set reacting to working with the wrestlers? You know, maybe some of them had negative connotations towards pro wrestling or whatever. How, how was the uh, camaraderie on screen with everyone else involved? Well, you know, um, everyone was really thrilled to work with those guys. I mean, those guys are kind of superheroes. A lot of the guys in in the film grew up watching these guys. Now, a great question, because I'm not going to lie to you. I think there was probably a couple people that were like, oh, boy. You know, wrestling, when it comes to acting, it's pretty hit or miss, right? I mean, as you well know, just watching promos on Monday Night Raw, for every Jericho, there's a Finn Baylor, right? So, um, you you know, I think they were a little worried, but these guys were just so fun, and they're such larger-than-life characters that – you kind of accept any short givings in a weird way because it works with the personality. And also we were making a silly fun movie, Rob. We were not trying to make citizen Kane. We really wanted to make people laugh. So it was actually a completely awesome camaraderie. And those wrestlers, man, they tell stories, they hang out on set. Jake's playing football with everybody. I mean, for a lot of people, it was almost like a, a bizarro world. Like I'm playing touch football with Jake Roberts on the set of an indie movie. Like, it was a pretty wild and very cool experience. I think I was very lucky in the four wrestlers that we got. 
are legitimately good people in real life. As you know, there's a couple guys out there that I think are just paycheck guys and, you know, they just kind of bounce around and probably could care less. We were blessed to have VDP, Jake, um, uh, Roddy, and of course, Tommy made a cameo as well. And, and in my very humble opinion from the wrestlers I know, they're up there as some of the nicest guys in the sport. And, and Roddy was the nicest of all time. That goes without saying. So Roddy Piper calls you to tell you that he can't do it. He blame, he throws Vince under the bus, basically. On a scale of one to ten, how mad are you at Vince McMahon at that point? And maybe how mad are you still at him? Uh, at the time, I was I almost was thrust into a violent depression because again, this was such a fault, small film, and we were doing so much of it. He was our anchor, Rob. I mean, like it was like we got Roddy Piper. We're thinking at the worst case scenario, it'll be another one of those Roddy Piper B movies, right? Even if it's terrible, we got Piper. So I I, I was uh, seriously contemplating trying to call WWE and see if I could speak to somebody. But I mean, how can you do that? You know that um, Roddy's life. And his bread and butter is, mm. is wrestling, not a very small film that he was doing me the favor. So yeah. I have forgiven Vince solely because Roddy was still able to come back and do a very small scene in it. But I'm not going to lie to you. Sometimes when we were editing that thing, I'm like, dang, that part right there should have been Roddy's. He would have killed that line, if you know what I mean. So I, I, I've forgiven Vince. I've, I've come to a realization that it was not personal. So what's next for the bet now? The bet is out right now. You can uh, get it on digital platforms. What is what is mm-hmm. next for this movie? Is it like you're you're done with it? It's out. People are watching it. You know, you get feedback. Yeah, Maybe um, move well, on to the next right thing. Right now, we're just in full fledged publicity mode. Okay. You know, we're not with a big studio. Um, there's not a lot of money behind it. So this is kind of a fan driven film. You know, if it's gonna work and people are really gonna spread the word, it's gonna come from the fans. The wrestling community has just been awesome. They're the first people to really get, and I think they come to see the wrestlers, but hopefully they stay because it's a real funny movie. I mean, the wrestlers, you know, have small parts in it. It's, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like they star in the film, but the film itself is, I think, a real funny movie. Of course, if you like silly, raunchy, wild comedy, which is what it is. So um, we're working it. We're promoting it. You know, we're doing the social media stuff. We're talking to wonderful people like yourself and the movie comes out on DVD next week. Then you start looking for the streaming Hulu deals and the Netflix deals. And you just hope that a movie like this grows and kind of becomes a cult movie, man. Like if every friend yeah, in the United cool. States was watching this this fall, I'd be OK. Now, you're not the lead in this movie, but you are in the movie. How tempted were you to put yourself as the lead? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I do not come from an acting background. I'm a musician. Um, I threw myself in it for solely, uh, the reason of if I never, ever get to be in another movie, as long as I live, I don't want to look back and say, I didn't throw my face in the one that I made, you know? Um, so I just kind of pop in there. I, I knew that I was not ready to have the chops of a real actor. We wanted it to feel real, man. We didn't want somebody to watch it and say, these guys had 50 bucks and an iPhone. We wanted, we wanted to have that real feel and, our lead dude ended up getting a role in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So a lot of the faces you mentioned, some of the cameos, Chuck D and Dave England from Jackass and um, Bianca Shar from South Park. Uh, you know, we have a lot of young up-and-coming actors like Alex Klein in Guardians of the Galaxy, Michael Consiglio and Undrafted. A lot of these actors that we cast have actually gone on to um, – are doing some very interesting stuff. So I like to think that this is a movie that you find in two years on Netflix and you can't believe how many big people are in it. And you say, who the hell casted all these people before they blew up? And you know, I'm that guy. So I'm sure I'll be living in poverty, working a part-time job, but 
darn it, I made that movie with all the people that blew up. You know? Well, yeah, because I was looking. I mean, Amanda Clayton, who seems to have a big role in this movie, I mean, she was in, you mm-hmm. know, uh, John Carter, which was no small deal by any means. Uh, yeah. You got you got people. It's a real movie. And this is and this could be a movie that, you know, 10 years from now, people even look back on like, oh, where are these famous actors? Where'd they get their start? And they, they go back mm-hmm. 10 years from now to see this one. Uh, final question here. Chris J with us, the co-writer, producer, actor of The Bet, the movie that's out right now. Chris, have you ever seen a ghost? Have I ever seen a ghost? Uh, I have not, but I'd love to. Chris J, The Bet movie. Tell us everywhere that it's at. I, Amazon Video, YouTube, many other places. Where where can people yeah, find it, it right now? Places, if you go to Video On Demand, if you go to your cable channel, Time Warner, DirecTV, Comcast, go to the movie section, search The Bet. You will be able to find it there. You'll be able to find it on iTunes. Amazon Prime, uh, Google Play, Xbox, PlayStation, and soon um, DVD that you could order off uh, Walmart.com or uh, Amazon.com. So anywhere there's digital movies, you can find it. You can also find the film online, any of the social handles, at The Bet Movie 2016. And uh, we invite your audience to check it out, watch it, and uh, hit us up and let us know what you think. You know, we really do appreciate the wrestling community because it was made by people that do love wrestling. Here it comes again lunch will it be the same old same old or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new jamaican jerk turkey sub at firehouse subs freshly sliced smoked turkey breast craveably sweet mustard sauce and a hint of caribbean seasoning just 555 for a medium save time order the new jamaican jerk turkey sub on the firehouse subs app firehouse subs enjoy more subs save more lives participating locations limited time only plus tax prices may vary for delivery Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.